Do you feel stuck in your life, career, or business? And are you ready to take things to the next level? If we haven't had a chance to meet, my name is David Trotter, and I'm a transformation coach passionate about helping people just like you rise above your biggest barriers to reach your greatest goals. My superpower is helping people experience tremendous breakthroughs in a short period of time. If you give me 12 weeks, I'll help you launch that new project, go after that better job, or overcome that challenge in your business. To find out how I can help you, head on over to insporising.com slash coach. That's insporising.com slash coach. If you're having like a little thought, like listen to it because you might be like landing on a massive like gold mine. And I'm saying this in the terms of like a spiritual gold mine, because I really believe that we're all here on this planet for a reason. Welcome to Inspiration Rising. My name is David Trotter and I'm a business growth consultant. I'm passionate about helping business owners just like you rise above your biggest barriers to reach your greatest goals, all without the paralyzing overwhelm, feeling all alone, or wondering what the heck to do next. I'm a former pastor and a serial entrepreneur who's passionate about personal growth because that's what's helped me cultivate peace in my life and empowered me to love my amazing wife, Laura, of 26 years and our two almost grown kids. So if you're all about business, personal growth, and peace in your life, you're in the right place. I'm super glad that you're here. Hello, friends, and welcome back to Inspiration Rising. Hey, I want to begin today by reading you a quote from a book that I've read twice in the last year, and it's by Esther Hicks, which some of you know. If you know Esther, you know what I'm talking about here, okay? If you're not familiar with Esther Hicks, she's a unique woman and uh, world famous for um, speaking on behalf of kind of this collective consciousness that she calls Abraham, and the book is called Ask and It Is Given. Learning to Manifest Your Desires. And I first heard about this book from Amy Pominsky. She is uh, from amynatalieco.com and has an incredible podcast that I had the privilege of being on, and she was on Inspiration Rising. Um, So, Amy, I am thankful that you posted a picture of this book on your Instagram. It's a world-famous book. I had never heard of it. Um, because of, you know, we're in different um, little niches and different worlds of things that we've heard of and connect with. And I'm just thankful that I've had the opportunity to learn about this book. So here's a quote from Esther. It says, there is no desire that anyone holds for any other reason than that they believe they will feel better in the achievement of it. Whether it is a material object, a physical state of being, a relationship, a condition, or a circumstance, At the heart of every desire is the desire to feel good. And so the standard of success in life is not the things or the money. The standard of success is absolutely the amount of joy you feel. I'm going to say that again. The standard of success is absolutely the amount of joy you feel. Now, I'm going to tell you... um, I don't necessarily feel a lot of joy in life. I'll just be honest. I feel a lot of peace. I cultivate a lot of peace. Peace has been a big focus for me over the last decade. But I'm coming to the place where I'm recognizing that I want more joy in my life. 
And so part of it is me kind of diving into some of these learnings and teachings um, from Esther Hicks. And anyway, I just wanted to share that with you um, because you have desires and ultimately you believe that that desire will make you feel good, whatever it is. And it's not about the object, right? It's more about the feeling of the joy. And what Esther says is that we have the possibility of feeling that joy even before we attain the achievement or before we receive that physical object or whatever it is. And that joy is actually the measure of success, not the object itself. So anyway, I hope that that speaks to you as much as it does me. The book is incredible, Ask and It Is Given, Learning to Manifest Your Desires. I'd highly encourage you to check it out. Well, today I have an amazing guest. Her name is Ray Ireland, and I am not quite sure how Ray and I became Facebook friends. I swear she friended me because I would not have friended her. Um, not that it's anything about her. I just don't generally go around Facebook friending you know, women um, because that's kind of frowned upon. A little awkward unless you know them. So I am going to believe that she friended me first. And I will tell you, I pretty much agree to, agree to, kind of weird, uh, accept friendship requests from people on Facebook, unless they're from overseas. Oftentimes they're like a pastor or something trying to get money. Ah, geez, those pastors, what the heck? Um, Okay, I used to be one. Um, So I agree to Facebook requests all the time. And um, so then all of a sudden, I'm seeing this woman dancing on my Facebook feed. And I'm like, why is this woman dancing like this? This is interesting. Uh, And she's out there, you know, I mean, she's really good. And so I started to follow along with her journey a little bit. And I started to realize, oh, she's not just a dancer, but she is a business coach and a consultant. And so I started to learn more about her business. And then I was like, I got to have Ray on the podcast. There's just something magnetic about her where I feel like uh, I want to learn from her. So I had the privilege of having this conversation with her and hearing all about her life as a professional dancer and then musician and living on the streets. And now as this incredible, soulful strategist and coach, and I really think that you're going to be inspired by her story. So let's jump into my conversation with Ray Ireland. Ray, thanks for taking some time to hang with me today. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Likewise. (laughs) Yeah. So we're neighbors. You're like down the street. Amazing. Really? I didn't even know that. Well, you're in San Diego. Okay. Right? Yeah. So I'm in Orange in, County. In San Diego. Down, <laughs> so down, the, down the big street. Gotcha. Down the, down the 405. <laughs> yeah. uh, down the five. Um, it is great to have you here. Um, I, w- I was just mentioning to you that um, you Facebook friended me, which I thought was awkward. Like, I don't know if you're trying to stalk me or, you Clearly, know. Clearly, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That was mm-hmm. just interesting. You um, you have quite a story, an amazing story, and I want to get into it. So, um, because I think when you friended me, which I swear you did, because I would not friend a woman randomly. Like and for just... everyone listening, I don't remember friending. So there, there's something um, mysterious happening here. <laughs> then all of a sudden, I just start seeing these videos, you know, on my feed of this woman dancing in the middle of her living room, and I'm on. What is going on here? This is, and it was like mesmerizing. I was like all mesmerized, you know, <laughs> and I'm the whitest dude ever. Like I can't, I do the white man shuffle, just kind of like back and forth, back and forth. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. 
So um, tell me your story about being a dancer and how did you like find your way into this amazing spiritual soul line, soul aligned business that you have now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so honestly, like, I don't even remember becoming a dancer because I've always been a dancer, um, sort of thing. And I grew up, my parents were like, you were always just dancing around. As soon as you could talk, you're like, look at me dance. And like, I would like mailman comes. I'm like, I have tickets made. I'm like, come back at 6 PM. Like no you have to be here. So my parents were just kind of like, oh my gosh, who is this child? Like inviting the whole neighborhood over to watch these performances and stuff. And so that was just who I've always been. And, um, I think from when I was really young, when I was like two years old, um, still moving, very active little baby. And, uh, my parents had a friend that owned a dance studio and they were like the the owner of the studio was like let's get her on stage let's like put her in a cute little outfit and just like I have a show coming up in a week let's just put her on and so I did my first show when I was two years old that's when I was on stage for the first time and I think I just fell in love with it it was never my parents never pressured me into it they're both artists themselves. And it was just where I like found my home. So I grew up doing mostly ballet, but tap, jazz, hip hop, musical theater, all of the things. And that just became like my thing and my reason for being alive and what I dedicated all my time and energy and and love to. And so I continued dancing. I actually ended up leaving high school early so I could dance more um, because I was like, this stuff is boring. I just want to dance and like, I want to like really get the most out of this like art form. And then I ended up getting accepted into a dance conservatory, which is basically like a college, but all we do is dance or dance related things. So we had, instead of like math, we did music Um, instead of history. It was all art history. Um, we did have one neuroscience class and it was neuroscience for the arts. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. it was, it was really an amazing experience. And that school is out in Boston. And while I was out there, I ended up, um, joining a few dance companies. I actually started my own dance company with a few other girls that were there. We would just like do like really interesting, weird, like we'd dress all in like black and like dance at like parties and be like, do this like weird stuff. And people would be like, that's so weird. We're like, I know, (laughs) you know, like super artsy. (laughs) And um, then I started joining some companies that would perform in New York. So I was going back and forth and basically dancing like eight hours a day, um, every day for a very long time. And by senior year, I was so ready to just be done with school and get out there and Broadway. Let me, let me jump in here. When you said senior year, senior year of your conservatory of the college, it's like, yes. a, it, and so it was a, it was a four year conservatory. Yeah, exactly. Okay. okay. Keep going. Sorry. Yeah. So senior year comes, I'm like three months to finishing. And all of a sudden my body gives out. I end up fracturing both my shins and I tear a ligament in my spine all in one month. And the behind the scenes of what was happening was um, a lot of like self-destruction, like there was partying, there wasn't enough sleep, there wasn't enough rest, I wasn't eating healthy, I was vegetarian for um, most of my life growing up, um, just my choice, but also behind the scenes of the vegetarianism was eating disorders and bulimia and growing up trying to be this perfect skinny ballet dancer, which I just that's not my body type. And, um, and so basically I think after it was about 12 years of this eating disorder, it just caught up and my body just started 
really like giving out. Mm -hmm. And that's, that was my like first rock bottom, which in hindsight, I wish I would have listened to a little bit more and maybe got more professional help. But I was like, I'm Miss Independent. I'm going to figure this out by myself. And I was like devastated that I couldn't dance anymore, but I was living with a house full of musicians that were all going to a music school. And so they had all just graduated. I, my boyfriend was a musician and they're like, Ray, you got to stop being depressed. Like, we'll get you on stage. We'll just put you in our band. Nice. So all of a sudden I ended up joining this rock band, like full on, like Grateful Dead rock. Really? You know? Are you singing and, or are you just sitting there playing the tambourine dancing or what do you Yeah, at doing? this point they gave me a banjo to play. So I'm like, but they didn't like mic me or, you know, plug me in. And I'm like singing in the back, no microphone. Like I'm like literally just on stage. You're a prop. <laughs> I'm a prop. Let's be real. <laughs> but like I, the first show, um, we end up like selling out the place. It's like totally, people are just standing, like, no sitting room. And halfway through the show, I literally get off stage crying because I'm like, I feel so uncomfortable here. So terrible. And I like stage is my home usually. So for this to now feel like I'm a total stranger in a place that I call home, I was devastated. And that the anger and the sadness that I experienced actually fueled me. And I was like, if I can't dance, I better figure out this music stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I just started playing around and literally playing banjo. Like that's what I started on. It was like the most random thing, like one string at a time, pluck, 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 cry, cry, cry. And like learning all these bluegrass songs, which are like all set sad and you know, about like death and stuff. So it worked with my feelings at the time. (laughs) And I ended up just being like, all right, I'm going to try this music thing. And me and my boyfriend, we packed everything up, put it all in a car and we just started going from one town to the next. I like gave up on all my big dreams. My parents were like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. And I was like, I'm just going to live out of my car and we're going to play music on the street and make pennies to How long get did you do enough that? gas. Um, so we did that for a year No, all way. around the US. Mm-hmm. In like a van or something or a, a car? Well, eventually we upgraded to a van. Yeah. <laughs> we started in a CRV. <laughs> Oh my goodness. And you're just, and obviously you were in bigger metropolitan cities where you could have foot traffic and that's called busking, right? We were, yeah, busking. I mean, we were in the big cities and the small cities. Um, What we found was the big cities, they actually were terrible because no one cares about you. Uh, And the small towns, at least people are like, they have time. So they get to know you. And then, you know, they offer you lunch and maybe a place to stay, maybe a place to shower. And we were just, we were just on, on the whim. And, um, How long ago actually, was this? so this was in 2013. Okay. So about eight years ago. Wow. Mm-hmm. All right. Are you still with this guy? No. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. He did not make the trip. He, he got, okay. But right. well, we, we did have a long journey and I'm, I'm super grateful for everything that kind of what an incredible because as we're on the street, you know, I'm looking at him. He's an amazing musician. I'm looking at myself. I'm not the best musician, but I'm a good performer. And I'm like, we're making like pennies. Like we just went to the top music and dance schools in the country. And now we're on the street making pennies. Like something's off here. Yeah. And I started thinking about it. I'm like, it's not the art. It's actually, we don't know business. And that was where I started to dive into business, diving into what is our message and what are we marketing and how, are we, how can we like sell this? Mm-hmm. So I had no idea. I wouldn't even called it business back then, but I just was like, I just want to figure out a way to like 
do more and, and be on bigger stages and share, share our message of like love and connection and empowerment. Mm-hmm. So fast forward, basically after a year, we ended up attracting some other musicians and we started our band and we just kind of continued, but it was like slowly grassroots. We just upgraded. So we went to the same towns that we had been playing on the street and we were able to find like, Oh, there's like a little tiny music venue. Let's go there. And so throughout five years of doing this, we ended up becoming like a nationally touring band, um, attracted some incredible musicians, top musicians like that were touring around the world. We're like, come do this project. They're like, okay. And had full management, booking, playing amphitheaters, festivals, all sorts of stuff. Wow. So it was an incredible incredible journey. And I really like at the beginning of the music, it was literally just to heal. It was just to refine myself and to be okay with where I was at. And never would I have thought that I would be playing in Pepsi amphitheater and stuff like that. So while the band was gaining a lot of momentum, I ended up still, again, I didn't say like, or I I shared, like, I didn't get that professional help that I probably needed at the time. So as things kind of got a little bit more Uh, amplified, I turned to drugs and alcohol to still deal with the stuff that I had kind of been keeping on the surf under the surface. Mm. So after one of our late night gigs, I actually got to a point where I was like, I'm done. And so I had a suicide attempt where I drove my car off of a cliff, which ended up being a Canyon and the car, as it was rolling, I had my like kind of walk into the white light moment where I heard God, creator, spirit, whatever you want to call its voice come in and say, hey, you've been asking to leave like almost your whole life. So here's a gift. If you want to take it, like this is your opportunity. But if you don't want to go, like let us know right now. And in that moment, there was like just a little like like spark of like, what if this actually isn't the end? What if there's Mm -hmm. something that I'm supposed to be doing here that's beyond this? And it wasn't that I like totally believed it, but there was a spark that just brought me back to life and basically said, yes, I want to stay here. Mm -hmm. And I gained consciousness while the car was rolling. And then the car ended up landing like straight up. And I walked away from that accident without one scratch or bruise while my car was completely totaled. So it was just a divine, miraculous moment that really shifted everything in my life. Like when you landed and you're there and you're like, holy crap, I didn't kill myself. Like I failed at this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, are you thinking, Fred, I'm still alive? Or are you thinking, thank God I'm okay? Or like, what's running through your head in that moment? I thought I was dreaming. I actually was like hitting myself and slapping myself because I, I had, I actually had this dream my entire life. So I, I growing up, I always was a um, lucid dreamer. So I would have dreams that I would know were dreams. And specifically the reoccurring one was a car accident where I was, my car was rolling. And as I was a lucid dreamer, I knew that, oh, this is, this is a dream. And I know that as soon as I crash into something, then I'm going to wake up from this dream. So it actually became very like normal for me to have it. So it was happening in real life. And I was like, 
okay, by the time the car landed, you know, I was like, oh, well, I had this weird like encounter that usually doesn't happen in my dreams, but like, here I am, I didn't crash into anything. So like something's wrong. Like, do I need to crash in? Like what's going on? And it didn't click until I heard a voice that was on the top of the Canyon screaming down like, oh my gosh, are you okay? This is like three, four in the morning. Oh wow! And there's, there's a man up there. So I literally crawled up the Canyon and he's laying on the ground. I'm like, are you okay? And he's just, he just saw the whole thing. He saw the whole, he was just devastated probably. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a really big wake up call. That's when it really hit me. I was like, this is real. And then, and then the reality of actually where my life was at came because I was really excited. I was like, oh my gosh, I just had this like consciousness. I just spoke to God, whatever. Like I felt so empowered. Wow. But then all the flashing lights started coming, the ambulance, the cop cars. And then it was like, oh my gosh, like my life is actually a hot mess right now. Mm. So I had it. I dealt knew, with it. They knew that you had intentionally done this. No, they didn't know that they didn't, they mm. didn't pick up on that. You kind of kept that under wraps. I kept it under wraps. And then I actually, um, in my mind, because I got a DUI in my mind for years after I just said it was just the alcohol and I just, I have to stop drinking. And it was that I actually didn't admit it until fairly recently in the last, um, I think about a, a year and a half ago. Wow. And there was, there was one moment that I had like about two weeks after the accident where I was running and it hit me. And I was like, you know, there, like I kind of, I chose that. Yeah, I can't yeah. like pretend that it, that didn't happen. Right, and it, right. it hit me so hard that I had to stop running and I just like broke down on the sidewalk Wow! and I got home and I think it was still, it was so traumatizing that I actually just kept erasing it out of my mind mm-hmm. until like about a year and a half ago, I was at um, just a transformational event and it came back full force. And I was with someone um, whose son had just committed suicide. So it was very close. And it was like, yeah. it's time to actually speak of the whole story and yeah. and really like admit this, not to everyone, but just to myself, really, sure, like sure. just like own it. Um, so yeah, it was, but it was like the rest of the the mayhem was enough. I, I don't think I could have dealt with even like processing that, that part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what led me onto such a deep, profound healing journey and into saying like, my hands are up, like I need help. Like I'm ready to finally receive some help from people. So I went and sought out help from Eastern, Western, shamanism, personal development, coaching, like every little thing that I could find. And I was already, um, interested in spirituality. My mom had me start yoga and meditating when I was about like 13, 12 or 13. I was already a certified yoga instructor. I already was doing Reiki. So I had these things. I just wasn't using them. So I started just finally using these healing modalities that I had learned on myself. And that's what got me into the coaching space, into bringing communities together. Because I realized, you know, this isn't about us just doing it one at a time by ourselves. It's actually like we need we need to come together. We need to support one another. And through that, I started doing women's empowerment work, transformational work as that grew really quickly because I had all this like kind of random business knowledge. It grew really fast. And then my clients ended up saying, okay, well, can you teach me about business actually? I'm like, 
I never would have thought I would be doing this, but okay. And so kind of the fast track, that's what led me to now being a soulful strategist and a business coach and consultant for spiritual-based entrepreneurs, master healers, um, creatives, visionaries that really like want to step into their leadership and put something out there into the world. So it, it all ties together, but I think business is such an amazing way to speak um, speak about transformation in the, the world, in the 3D world, mm-hmm. and really like create something that we can leave here, build a legacy and let it live on beyond us and beyond our stories. Man, I thought I had a crazy story. Your story <laughs> is crazy. I mean, I, I knew part of that, but wow, that is amazing. You are so fortunate to be alive and like the world is fortunate to have you alive. Ah, so mm-hmm. good. How, um, what, wh- when did you start your first kind of, uh, bringing women together? And like, when did that first kind of come to fruition? Like yeah. how many years ago was that? That was in 2016 and okay. it started by producing a festival. So I kind of went all in and I was like, I want to like, let's, let's make a festival happen. Like I'm used to yeah. performing at them. So let's just create one. And at the time I was actually dating a woman. And so her and I were like, Ooh, let's create the goddess fest. Ooh. And so it was a festival celebrating the divine feminine and everyone, uh, celebrating community healing, um, sustainability, the arts. And so we ended up putting that together and we ended up doing that three times. Um, So over the span of like two and a half years, and it grew to 400 people being out in the mountains of San Diego and a four day event. So that was really the thing that kicked off my coaching. And then I, from there, I started doing more like private groups and then one-on-one and all of that. Are you making a living in the midst of all this? Like I hear you living on the street at one point <laughs> and now you've gone to, okay, I just tried to commit suicide. I just ran out. You were in a band. Mm-hmm. You transitioned out of the band at some point. We obviously don't need all those details, yeah. but like, are you doing things on the side as well? Or you're just, you're just hustling and making it work as a coach. Yeah. Hustling and making it work for sure was like the main thing. Um, while with the band, you know, we were always, we were just made just enough to get by and it was, it was a community effort. Like we wouldn't have survived without community support, you know, people hosting us and housing us and all sorts of stuff. So it wasn't, it wasn't the traditional, like you make your money and then everything gets paid for. There's lots of like trading and just people supporting. Um, I also, I think some side hustles that I had was like doing some modeling um, for like art classes and stuff, teaching dance, teaching music here and there. Um, But it was never anything consistent because I was always touring and I was with the band for five years. But then after once I the band kind of broke up and I left the band, I actually went to India and kind of on a whim. That's a whole other story. (laughs) But that led me in India. um, I ended up touring, playing music. I ended up coaching. I ended up working with tech companies, teaching meditation. I ended up working with stage four cancer patients, um, teaching meditation and laughter and movement. Um, Did you have like a connection over there? You just showed up and said, Hey, I'm Ray Ireland. I'm here to help India. I showed up. did not know what I was doing. Wow. I, I straight up had, I was supposed to be on a tour with my band. Yeah. Um, and I was sitting in meditation and have a very deep meditation practice. And I just got a very clear signal, go to India in two weeks. 
It's like, I'm supposed to be going on tour in two weeks. No, you're going to India in two weeks. So I booked my ticket and I didn't have any connections out there, but I ended up going out there and literally meeting like the just perfect person at the perfect time who basically had a whole school that he was running and he was the president of the school is Kalinga Institute of Social Studies. And they host, they, they house, feed and educate 27,000 indigenous kids for free. So when I heard about this, I was like, this is angel work. Like this is like earth angel, like in the making, this is insane. And so he was like, do you want to come to the school? Do you want to meet the kid? Yeah. I don't know why I'm here. Sure. Sure, sure. And I got to the school and then it just so happened. Oh, it's International Women's Week next week. We actually have a huge event happening. I was looking for one more female speaker. Do you want to be the speaker? Do you want to perform? Okay. Next day I show up, my face is on a billboard. And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they're like, oh yeah, by the way, it's like going to be like over 10,000 people here. So it was, that was within like two weeks of me being in India. So it just kind of rolled out from there. I was there for three months the first time. And then I went back then a second year again, another three months and kind of same thing happened. You know, I've been to India like 10 times. I I've did done not. A, oh my gosh. Documentary on orphans in India that was on Netflix for two years. Um, oh, so wow. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I have a deep, deep love for India and mm. I've got lots of friends in India. So, um, okay. So crazy story. You're just like, this is all over the place. You're absolutely crazy. Okay. My first question is, as I hear this, <laughs> You seem like ultra artistic, like, hey, I've got this uh, download. I got this vision. I'm going to go to India in two weeks. But also, you're teaching people about business, mm-hmm. right? Now, I just know soul aligned business, spiritual business. But yeah, like, how do you actually get stuff done when you're like so artistic? Do you actually, because I'm the guy, I'm, I can yeah. be kind of artistic, <laughs> but I'm the get the stuff done guy. You know what I mean? But like, if you're Literally. putting on a festival for hundreds of people, are you the one getting stuff done or do you have other people that help you get, you know what I mean? Like help me understand that part of you. Yeah. So I kind of, I think I would put this in, in like, thank you, dad. My dad's an architect. So he holds that really nice balance of being creative, but also very analytical. So from a young age, I've also always been like hyper kind of OCD organized. I would organize every single book in the house, ABCD all the way up to like the first, like, word in the book sort of thing. Like my parents are like, Oh, there's something a little (laughs) strange. (laughs) All my clothes are coordinated, color coordinated. So that's just like how I am. Um, so I think there's, there's something that helps me just in terms of like my organization. Um, and then I know how to bring people in and, and help collaborate because the problem that I come up with is like, I don't have enough hours in the day to do everything I want because I see the vision very clearly. And then I, I see everything that has to happen. And as a young, when I was like younger, I would try and do everything, which meant like I wasn't sleeping. Yeah. So, yeah. so now there's a little bit of a balance. It's still my weakness though. is like figuring out how to do it all oh, um, yeah. and how to just bring in people that are even better at it. Yes. Yes. Okay. So um, right now in terms of your business, what is your primary focus? Like what is your, how, who do you help and what are the programs that you do to help them? Yeah. So right now my primary focus is really helping people that are in corporate who kind of feel like they're a little bit out of place or, or maybe not even corporate, but they're in a professional 
career and but they they feel like they have something that they really want to put out into the world and usually it is a coaching business of some sorts usually it's connected to transformation spirituality meditation a healing practice something like that something that they're kind of practicing maybe like behind closed doors or they're kind of like a closet creative so i help them go from having it be in the closet into really coming out using their social media, using their networks and really like looking at the identity too of like, okay, I'm going to step away. What would it be like if I step away from my, you know, very consistent, safe job and step into becoming an entrepreneur and setting a business up that's going to be sustainable for me and my family and um, stuff like that. So that's really who I'm working with right now, um, mostly. And I also love, um, and I think I'll probably be shifting a little bit back into this, but I love also working just with the entrepreneurs, um, the people that are already in that space and just taking them to that next level by like really connecting deeper into your soul. Cause I think a lot of times what I'm seeing is entrepreneurs, they're like going out there kind of like what I shared, you get to a burnout stage. So it's like figuring out, okay, how do I organize and schedule things and also create a bigger vision of like, why am I doing this? Like it's, it's tough work. So you need to really be connected to that. Yeah. And are you doing that through group programs or one-on-one or what? Yeah, both. So, mm-hmm. so I have very high level one-on-one. So it's, that's just for a few people at a time. Um, and then I have a group mastermind that I lead six month mastermind for those that are really ready to kind of take action. And then I do free like master classes and stuff via my social media for people that are like, I'm interested, but not quite ready to pull any triggers. Right. And what about the dancing? So I see you dancing on, you know, my Facebook feed. And I know that dance is still a part of, like, I see your posts and I'm like, wow, dance is really important to her still. How is that? How do you integrate that into your life? Yeah. I mean, dance really is everything. I think it's, it's such a beautiful combination of self-expression connecting with music. And like, for me, it's, it's healthy too. You know, it's a form of exercise. It's a form of meditation. It's, it's literally all the things in in one bang for me. Um, So I, I just absolutely love it. Um, I think in the last year, you know, I, I actually was planning on touring and, and being out there. And so that was a huge halt in kind of my, my personal and professional plans was to be touring and sharing my, my music, which whenever I'm doing music performances, I actually am also dancing. That's a, that's a big piece. So basically what shifted was, okay, like now I have a living room. So let, I guess I'm going to be dancing in there instead of shows. So it just kind of switched a little bit, but um, it's something that I just, I, I need to have. It's, it's one of the most healthy addictions I think I have. Um, not that I'm, I, I'm not really addicted to anything else, but, but it, it's something that like, I just, I, it fuels me and I feel it. Um, I think a lot of times as a creative, like I am a very emotional person. I do deal with anxiety quite often and, and um, sometimes depression, but more so on the anxious space. And so for me, music and movement, bringing them together, it's a place where I can move my body, get into the moment and really release and process whatever emotions I'm dealing with. And then 
that just so happens that then I get to share it with people and then people get inspired. So it's very much like a personal practice, but I hope to like use it in everything that I do moving forward and continue to use it because it's such a tool for healing and creativity and connection. And there's nothing better than dancing with other people too. Like I just posted a video of me and my best friend doing choreography and it's like, oh, this is just the best. So that is I just so want fun. everyone to dance. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Have you um, uh, experienced plant medicine before in your own journey? Yeah, that was a big part of, um, especially right after the accident, that was a huge part, probably for about three, three years, I was like going to a bunch of different ceremonies. I practiced with many different plant medicines and then I've taken a little bit of a break and now it's kind of coming back into my life. So I think it's, it's a beautiful tool that we have here to, to use and reconnect. And what, what, what has that done for you? Like, how has that helped you? Mm. Well, it's helped me in many different ways at different times in my life. So when I first started using it, it really helped um, me connect with being able to really release what I felt I was holding on to, and I didn't know any other way to actually release it. Old ideas of how I saw myself, especially a lot that were built up within the ballet community. And like, I just never felt like I was perfect enough. And I I just really hadn't cultivated any self-love. It was actually just pure self-hatred and criticism. So plant medicines really helped me actually release a lot of, um, you know, what you could say are like negative, bad, bad spirits that were just I just felt like we're a part of me and kind of come back to a place of purity. Like who, who am I just as a soul on this planet? Mm. And as I continued along, plant medicine has kind of shifted where that's always a part of it. But I think it also helps me just connect so deep to spirit, to the spirit world where I create a lot. I have a lot of visions of what I want to create. I've written songs from that space. Um, I've had new ideas of really like the purpose of my business and what it's really here for, like how I want to like really impact the world. I've gotten even visions of like me and, you know, like 30 to 50 years of what I'm doing. And it kind of gives me some guidelines and, and guideposts of like, wow, this is like what can happen. Yeah. Um, so it's really a beautiful, beautiful journey and experience. And I would say the last thing is it connects with nature, which is something that I've always held really close to home. My family always did kind of extreme outdoor sports. Um, so really that's brought like a deeper connection to the power of nature and the power of oneness that we have as an ecosystem, as, you know, humans connected to earth, which I think is something that is kind of separate and lost. Has your experience primarily been with mushrooms um, or ayahuasca or both or? Mushrooms, ayahuasca, peyote, um, San Pedro. Mm-hmm. So all the, full... all the things. Mm-hmm. All the things you have lots yeah. of experience with all the things. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. So Ray, um, if somebody's listening to this and maybe they may even be hearing that you could have a business that was focused on helping people spiritually or helping them with their life or healing, right. That may be even new for them. Um, and that maybe they're interested in that. Like, what would you say to them if they're kind of just coming to that realization, maybe for the first time, like, wow, I didn't know I could take this thing that's so personal to me that's in transform my life and actually create something 
you know, a business out of it? What would you say to them? Yeah. Well, I'm getting goosebumps and you just like even prompting this question, because what I would say is like, listen up. Like if you're, if you're having like a little thought, like listen to it because you might be like landing on a massive like gold mine. And I'm saying this in the terms of like a spiritual gold mine, because I really believe that we're all here on this planet for a reason. If I didn't learn one thing from my accident, it was that. And this is not just for me. Like I believe that I'm here to share this message for all of you that are listening. And I don't believe that you need to get to the point where you drive your car off of a cliff. I think it's already here. We already, we, we hear it, you hear it. So listen to what that is because you're hearing it for a reason. And if you're hearing it for the second or third time or fourth time, it's also coming back to you for a reason. There's something that you're not picking up here. So listen carefully, you know, sit down and journal and just go, just be with yourself because that's where you're going to find the best answers. There's so many people that can support you in so many different ways and you can have anything you want, you know, like it, it's all here and it's all in different scales. So if you're just starting, like there's support for you, you know, you don't have to jump, like feel like you're like jumping into like a wild, I don't know, wild shark tank or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's something there, but the first thing, the first step is just to be, just to get clear with yourself. And so whether that is meditation or anything that will drop you into your presence, music, nature, whatever that is, even maybe a conversation with a close friend, but start to like ask yourself new questions. And I think listening to podcasts and stuff like this helps you kind of maybe even hear what some new questions could be. Like, who am I? What am I really here to do? What does my soul want me to do? Not like, what does my neighbor want me to do? Or, you know, parents or spouse or yeah, all the things. Yeah. Ray Ireland. Okay. That's not even your real name. There's no way that's your real name. (laughs) Were you born with that name, Ray Ireland? Rachel Ireland. So Ray's just short. That's still pretty good. All right. <laughs> pretty good. All right. RayIreland.com. R-A-E-I-R-E-L-A-N. It's basically Ray Ireland. Just drop the D. Dot com. Exactly. And uh, all of, all the social media links will mm-hmm. point them to all of those things. Any particular place you want them to find you online? Um, no, whatever platform, you know, you're on, I'm mostly on Facebook and Instagram. I also am on YouTube, um, starting to jump into the clubhouse world as well. So yeah, come find me, come hang out. If you got something from this podcast, I would love to hear what it is as well. I'm also as inspired by this conversation as you might be. So let me know if something lands, I would love to just hear what that is and, and support that vision. And just know that you've got a friend here. So yeah. awesome. Thank you so much, Ray. Appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Hey, congrats on listening to another episode of Inspiration Rising. Why congrats? Because you're pouring education and inspiration into your mind and heart. And that's something we all need if we're going to grow our businesses and reach our goals in life. Now, if you enjoy Inspiration Rising, do us a favor, share it with a friend, take a screenshot of your favorite episode and text it to them. Tell them to search for Inspiration Rising on their favorite podcast app and click subscribe. And if you haven't already, be sure to sign up for Inspo Text. That's our daily inspirational text messages. Just text me right now at 949-401-6090. That's 949 
401-6090. Just say, hey, Dave, what's up? You'll get an automated reply with a link where you can add yourself as a contact. And of course, you can always unsubscribe. I want you to know today that you're inspired, empowered, and loved. Not because of the way you feel or what anyone else says about you, but because that's your true identity. Mm-hmm.